I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, with all of the caveats that normally get applied right there. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed I, Tim Tap, your ever so, ever so humble host, and you know, mostly peaceful while I'm doing the hosting job, and I'm coming to you from historic and lovely, beautiful Roan County, Tennessee, although slightly soggy tonight. Uh, for those of you that are listening uh, to the rebroadcast of the program on terrestrial radio stations across the country, uh, like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, just as an example, uh, my favorite example, just because they were the first. Not that I have anything against any of the rest of you guys. Or if you're listening to the rebroadcast over on the online platform, The Last Frequency, one of my favorite online platforms while we're discussing it. And again, nothing against the other online platforms that carry the broadcast, nothing at all. It's just they were one of the first. 
and therefore special place. You, you guys know how it is. Join the family. Become the newest. You'll have a special place, too. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get into the action. First and foremost, uh, I'm going to play a little quick, light, fun, conversational banter that I had with the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio, Miss Ann Uvellis. Uh Going to have to get her back on sometime really soon and actually get in-depth with uh, a particular topic. We kind of bantered about a bit and never really settled into anything just light, airy, fun, just uh, trying to get caught up, really, because we hadn't talked to one another in a while, and we just kind of had a little fun with it. But definitely have a few stories that I want to get to today, uh, stories about Black Lives Matter Incorporated. Stories about the U.S. Army and something they're doing to soldiers. Uh, the state of Washington looking to uh, sue a company over fake COVID tests. And, of course, we'll have to talk at least a little bit about the controversy surrounding Miss Whoopi Goldberg. But before that, I uh, do want to... Give a little quick hitter over uh, things happening at CNN. See you again today, uh, for those of you listening to the rebroadcast. Today happens to be February 2nd, 2022. A lot of twos in this day uh, for a Wednesday. And uh, one of the big breaking stories today was the CNN chief, Jeff Zucker. Uh, he announced his resignation. So within just a couple of hours of that having happened, Warner Media has now named three, three, one, two, three executives to serve as co-heads while the network sort things out in Zucker's absence. Uh, it's uh, kind of weird, quite honestly. Uh, evidently, there was an issue for Zucker uh, that kind of came up as part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo while he was, uh, you know, trying to help his brother, Andrew. Now, for those of you that don't remember, Chris Cuomo uh, evidently was less than forthcoming with how much of his influence at CNN that he was actually using in an effort to try and craft a defense and protect Andrew Cuomo, the then governor of the state of New York, uh, trying to protect him from all these allegations that eventually forced uh, Andrew out of office. Uh, Chris eventually got suspended and then later fired. Uh, but as part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN, uh, it would seem that Zucker was in fact asked specifically about a consensual relationship with one of his colleagues. You know, in his statement he said, one of my closest colleagues, someone I have worked with for more than 20 years. I acknowledged the relationship evolved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. As a result, I'm resigning today. Now, evidently this had something to do with the CNN's chief marketing officer, and Allison Galst. Uh, Galst, by the way, had close ties with Andrew Cuomo. She, however, at least for the time being, uh, has no intentions of leaving CNN, and uh, none of the new co-heads seem to have anything to say in regards to wanting her to move along. Now, we'll see. Something tells me we may very well uh, find something out along. 
along those lines. Uh, we've had a, a, an interesting conversation as a CBS reporter press press secretary Saki uh, on Biden appointing an Asian American LGBTQ American to the Supreme Court. Now, are we going to do these things? Come on, Joe. Now, it's actually kind of fun because one of the questions this particular correspondent asked early on is if Joe Biden was, in fact, going to try to move forward with this bright idea of court packing, which, of course, they wouldn't deny. Everything's still on the table, right? And then, since Joe Biden has made these promises about appointing people for the purposes of diversity on the court, you know, not necessarily the best possible judge, but, eh, you know, an affirmative action hire, question become then well will will president biden uh, be willing to make a pledge to appoint an asian american or a member of the lgbtq community to the supreme court uh, needless to say not a lot of concrete response uh, because you know at this point how are you supposed to respond to that <laughs> all right at any rate let me go ahead and play the slight conversation, the light, airy, fun conversation with Anne Ubellis. And remember, the idea here is uh, Anne's a great host. And unfortunately, turns out my audio was not recording as quickly as I thought it was, which is really weird because everything was rolling like it was supposed to. <laughs> but uh, anyway, what I was saying in the intro that got cut off a little early was that Anne Ubellis is one of the best, one of the top-notch talk show host, period. Not just in conservative circles, but period. And she is. And all you have to do is listen to Southern Sense Talk Radio to know that for yourself. She's got great conversations, a ton of great guests, and she's always, um, she is conservative through and through. I mean, there's no clear, uh, no, no confusion. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I just want to make sure that you know what the intro was, as I was trying to say, one of the greatest talk show hosts, period, because uh, the audio was its just not there at the beginning. Anyway, here's the rest of that conversation. You guys listen in, and then we will uh, jump into the main topics of the day uh, right after that. So don't go anywhere. And remember, the whole idea here is, if you haven't already, go check out Southern Sense Talk Radio. Here's that conversation with Annie show host that is out there, period, not just conservative talk show host, uh, but top of the line, period. It is indeed the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show once again, Miss Ann Ubellis, a.k.a. the Radio Chickadee. Uh, Annie, uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, it's been far too long since we've had a chance to get together and uh, talk at all, and I'm so, so very pleased to be able to get together with you tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Always fun to be on your show. All right. Well, Annie, you know, one of the things I've been doing with the, the few guests that I've been able to uh, get back in touch with here recently since I've overcome my technical issues and my scheduling issues, or at least I'm still working on that at some degree, um, is we used to do a roundtable thing on uh, the show, and you 
participated in that quite often. We would kind of take a look back at uh, the previous year and then take a look forward. And, you know, we would ask these different questions. And I always appreciated you doing it. But we're so far into the year at this point, I, I think it's kind of defeats the purpose. So what I would really like to do right now is take a look at this first full year that we've had under the Biden administration and get your thoughts on uh, the best of times, the worst of times. And quite honestly, I, I'm starting a poll. I'm trying to figure out, any. I, I can't tell for sure. I, I'm flipping coins. Is Joe Biden's administration worse at domestic policy or foreign policy? I, I can't tell myself. He's not good at any policy. Period. It doesn't mean, matter if it's foreign or domestic. He can screw, he can mess up a wet dream, and he has. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's just astounding. Uh, let's take a peek at the foreign policy, then, and we'll start with it. I'd love to get your thoughts on what's currently going on in Ukraine with Russia. Uh, I, for one, have been saying since day one of the announcement of the unchangeable, unbudgeable deadline for pulling out of Afghanistan that the world just became a more dangerous place, and I think this just reflects that. But uh, your thoughts there? Oh, geez. Where do you even start? I've talked about this many times, but his his kit glove handling of China, whereas, you know, Trump had China on the run. They were afraid of him. And they look at Biden as if he's a newborn kitten and really easy to play with. And that's what he's doing. And then he loses Afghanistan, opening up the door for China to control the growing caliphate you have going between Tajikistan, Pakistan, Af Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, going straight across the Middle East Peninsula. And why is he doing that? Because China needs the rare earths and the cobalt in order to make the batteries and chips and everything for the electric cars that Biden is going to mandate us buy in the future. <laughs> does, does that make any sense to you? Well, it, it makes sense why China would want to do it. It doesn't make any sense why an American president would just step back and let him, unless, of course, you take a closer look at the Biden family financials. Uh, oh. Annie, uh, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of money that has changed hands and has been – it's a strange idea – laundered through Hunter. Does anything come through Hunter and end up cleaner than it started? I doubt it. I completely doubt it. I mean, here's a guy with absolutely no artistic talent, and he's selling his paintings for half a million. Tell me that's not a money laundering scheme. And, of course, no one knows who's buying these paintings, but suddenly we've got all this money floating around. Hmm, very interesting. And we can talk about Burisma, his involvement in that corporation in the Ukraine. Gee, you wonder why we're not worried too much about Russia taking over the Ukraine, because Hunter Biden has financial, you know, stuff going on over there. You know, we talk about the Nord Stream uh, pipeline. They're worried about getting oil and gas to people in Europe, but they're not taking care of the American people because the first thing he did was close down refineries, not the refineries, but the pipelines, not opening up new refineries. I don't think a new one has been built since the 1970s. So, you know, you cut off the American people from their source of oil and gas, but you give it to everyone else. Hmm. And then you ask them, the, the OPEC, to increase production to, in order for Americans now to get new oil and gas at a much higher price. 
I mean, gas is more than doubled in some areas and tripled in others. I mean, who could afford to even fill your car up just to get to work? Oh, wait a minute. That's another excuse for staying at home for lockdowns and working out of your house. You don't have to buy the gas because you're not driving anywhere. Yeah, if you're not fortunate enough to live in a blue state, though, and who would have ever thought I'd say that phrase, <laughs> if you're not fortunate enough. Um, yeah, what happens when you do have to go to work, though? Eddie, a, a lot of us are there, and, and we're all feeling the pension. The problem is when energy goes up, everything else goes up, too. And, and that brings us circling back around to that uh, uh, domestic policy. Uh, everything's been a disaster from day one. Uh, we've seen exactly zero concern about the American border, especially along the southern side of things. Uh, although they seem very concerned about the Ukrainian border, uh, very surprising. Uh, not really. And uh, then we see the shutdown of the pipelines. It's okay for Russia to help make Germany more dependent on them uh, for natural gas. And uh, our pipelines get shut down because obviously uh, we want to be greener. Uh, I, personally, Annie, I'd rather keep some green in the form of dollar bills, uh, at least while they still add it up to something. Uh, inflation's out of control. We're circling uh, the spiral. We're going quickly down the drain. Now they're going to go after cryptocurrencies because they saw a lot of people moving their assets there. Uh, and, of course, when you're a globalist and, or a centralist, either one, uh, you want to be able to control the currency. You want to be able to control the people through the movement of their money. They don't like the cryptos idea. So – is there any daylight that we're seeing? Is there any positives that you're seeing? Because uh, we can sit here and go round and round about all the negatives, and we'll probably circle around to a few more before we're done. But have you seen anything even the least bit positive? Oh, yes. How about the Freedom Convoy that is going on in Canada right now? And the Freedom Convoy that's going to go from California to Washington, D.C., as soon as they're done up in Ottawa. The people are rising up. Silent majority is silent no longer. Well, you know, it's long overdue. And it hurts my heart that they had to start in Canada. <laughs> Come down here. Although I have to admit, I did find some humor in Justin Trudeau suddenly having to uh, scurry off to parts unknown. Uh, obviously, because he had COVID, Annie. It had nothing to do with being That's afraid. today's excuse. Yes. Today's excuse. Yeah. It had nothing to do with being concerned. Um, <laughs> no, and of course, they've got a Freedom Conway going on in uh, New Zealand. And that pre prime minister down there, also she ended up with COVID and had to scurry out of the capital. Gee, I'm wondering what happens when this convoy hits D.C. Will Biden again have COVID or something like that? And all of a sudden he scurries out of the White House into some secluded location? Hmm. It'd be interesting. I think we're more likely to find him having shuffled off to get some ice cream. But, uh, you know, that's just uh, neither here nor there. Oh. So we've got the freedom uh, convoys, and that's a great point. Uh, we are seeing people stand up, but it is times like these where we often see uh, these hardcore leftists double down on all their policies. Uh, we do need to be concerned about what they try to do because we're either going to see this uh, this attempt to try and tap us down and, and keep these folks from moving forward, or we're going to see them kind of 
back up their authoritarian action and go underground again because that's the other thing that the leftists have always done, Andy. The, the political leftists, they for the longest time have believed in incrementalism. We've seen them chip away. They love the word negotiation because we've always seen them start at this this point. They're like, okay, uh, you conservatives are over there. We're over here. Let's meet in the middle. Uh, they sound reasonable, so we try to meet them somewhere close to the middle. And then as soon as they agree, the conservatives are celebrating, hey, we actually were able to make uh, some kind of agreement with these folks, and immediately they're going twice as far to the left as they started out, and they're immediately demanding that we start negotiating again. Uh, which of those two tacks do you think is more likely to occur next? Uh, have they realized how upset the uh, general public, not just in the United States, but in all freedom-loving nations are yet and are ready to do that, or are we still going to see them try to slap down that authoritarian uh, boot of government for a little longer? Oh, that boot's not coming off our necks anytime soon, not unless we throw it off. And I don't mean a violent revolt. We could always do a ballot box revolution, which is coming up this year. So we have to keep everyone in the fight and remind them what the purpose of this is, this come midterm election. And we get have to get our people out there to vote. We have to get our people out there as poll watchers as as well as poll workers, too. So this time... The ballots will be held properly. And as we're finding, uh, Dinesh D'Souza is going to have a new movie coming out this spring uh, called, um, <coughs> excuse me, Five, what was it? 2,000 Mules, I believe is the name of the new movie. And I saw the trailer, and he proves by geolocation um, individuals that were getting paid to stuff ballot boxes. And not just one box or two. Oh, they get paid per ballot box. So the more they stuff, the more they get paid. And his movie is going to blow the lid on this. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely a mind-blowing uh, uh, concept, too. Because, I mean, how is it that we have moved so far, Annie, to, to an effort to maintain legitimate elections to literally Banana Republic-style uh, ballot stuffings. I mean, I mean, we've seen folks try it in the past, but usually it gets caught and stopped. The American public has generally been ready to act quickly. There was even uh, uh, something here in the state of Tennessee uh, called the uh, Battle of Sparta, where essentially it wasn't really a battle, but some uh, World War II veterans came mm -hmm. back. They found shenanigans going on, and they just wouldn't stand for it. They they intercepted the shenanigans, if you will. Um, it's ridiculous that we're there, but, you know, that does bring to mind one other topic that we haven't actually had a chance to talk about together. Uh, I know it is a topic you've talked quite a bit about. I know it's one that I've talked quite a bit about, and that is the left's insistence on referring to the uh, events of January 6th. Uh, they demand that we all call it an insurrection uh, they demand that people be held accountable uh, in that fashion, and you know, I I really just don't believe that there aren't more people seeing through that particular charade. But again, would love to get your thoughts right here on everything from Nancy Pelosi's actions to the hearings, all the way up to where we're at today. Well, I think 
once we get back the House and the Senate and then start working on the White House, the lid is going to come off of that real fast. Now, I don't know if you saw Trump's rally on Saturday, but he said next thing we're going to be talking about are um, pardons for the January 6th protesters. Whoa. However, there was also an article in the Epic Times just a couple of days ago, and it's telling it. It's saying and improving the defense attorney for one of these guys in there, the, December, the January 6th, is proving that those Columbus doors were opened from the inside. They were not breached. So when you see all those people walking in through the Columbus door, someone on the inside unlatched those doors and opened them for the protesters. Now, those doors weigh each one 20,000 pounds. You, you need a cannon in order to blow those doors open. And you're not going to be knocking those doors open with wooden sticks and fists. So there's going to be a lot that's going to come out. Uh, They're proving some of these people are being overcharged. And it's just, it's going to start snowballing. Somewhere along the way, it's going to come before Supreme Court to challenge the constitutionality of their arrest and being held for this long. Some of these guys still haven't even had their charges they're sitting behind bars with no charges. Yeah. I mean, straight up legitimate political prisoners being held just to be held. Uh, but, you know, I, I have questions going all the way back to why did Nancy Pelosi turn down additional security uh, when they knew there was going to be ongoing uh protest outside. We had literally just come off of the summer of love for all the George Floyd protests, which they, of course, claim was mostly peaceful, where we saw uh, millions, if not billions of dollars in damage done from one city to the next. And if you see that type of activity, wouldn't you suspect that there's even the slightest possibility? But it still all comes around to one thing, Annie, and that is the simple fact that they want to use the term insurrection because that's the kind of terminology that can constitutionally prevent, oh, let's say the orange man who's bad, the the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. They keep uh, uh, Donald John Trump from holding office again. And that's really all this smoke screaming is about. It all comes back to them being scared to death of what a man from the outside of the political spectrum has managed to accomplish in a small amount of time and blowing up their games, blowing up their ability to make themselves filthy rich at the expense of the American taxpayer and blowing up their ability to continue to move us towards a more globalist uh, ideology as opposed to a sovereign nation. That Go ahead. Uh, you're going in and out, Tim. All right. Uh, I've got you back now, so go ahead. Okay. You know, um, globalist ideal is China. They're pushing that because China wants to control the globe. And why are they teaming up with Russia? They both have the same aim in in mind. What they want is the total destruction of the United States of America, because we are the last shining hope on the hill. And if we go down, so goes the rest of the world. And that is what they want. Why would China go almost in every single country on this globe and do that Belt and Road projects because they want those countries beholden to them, dependent upon them. 
if China can control the other governments like he has been doing here. So you ask yourself a lot why a lot of this is going on internationally and how much influence is there in the swamp. And shall we bring up Mitch McConnell, whose wife he's married to, uh, her father has direct ties into the Chinese Communist Party. Ask why did Mitch McConnell get all those nice shiny new ships a few years back, courtesy of China? Why does Mitch McConnell have so many shipping interests that go between China and the rest of the world? And we can go on and on and on of other people in the swamp that are marred. So it's on both sides, Republican and Democrat, and we've got to clean house. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, again, that's something that we're preaching constantly. I know you are. Uh, I know I am. I know uh, Don Smith uh, constantly is. Uh, every reasonable voice in America, uh, and that's the problem, uh, us reasonable voices tend to be uh, drowned out, and, and they try to minimize us and turn our volume down and take away our platforms. We see the most ridiculous efforts to cancel people just because they're willing to have conversations. But we do need to organize, we need to to energize, and we need to focus not just on the letter that somebody's chosen to stick at the end of their name, but the actual content of their character and their willingness to stand up and fight. There's a reason why they're scared to death that Donald Trump might return. There's a reason why they do not like uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida. There's a reason why they're still even afraid of folks like the governor of Texas right now, who is not the strongest conservative individuals, but is still far, far to the right compared to where they want to be. They're scared to death that if the American people are adequately reminded of when America is at its best, that there simply won't be room for them to continue to enrich themselves. Now, we have a media that turns a blind eye, and you see the lamestream media ranting and raving and calling all the conservative news outlets every single name in the book. And they, they belittle and they ignore real events, real news events. Instead, they're no longer news programs. They're commentators. They editorialize. They do not report the news anymore. They give you a little fact and they put their spin on it. So you're going to think, Oh, gee, those nasty people at Fox News, those nasty people at OAN or Newsmax or even a show like yours or mine, those nasty people. They couldn't tell the truth if, if, if their lives depended upon it. So they'll lie to the American public, and we're down to that two-minute conversation, and there's no one having a full discussion like we used to. There's no two sides on a discussion. It's either their way or the highway, and we now have to push back. Absolutely. Well, Annie, as much as I hate to, we are getting pretty close to 20 minutes of uh, conversation time here, and uh, that's really all I ask from you for tonight. <laughs> and uh, so that means two things. Number one, uh, next time I'm going to have to ask for more time because I'm a, a, a greedy guy and I like our conversations. And number two, we will have to do it again real soon. But before we say goodbye for tonight, uh, please remind everybody where they can find your work. Uh, the name of the show is Southern Sense, as in common sense. Just put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Fridays from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
All right. Again, thank you so very much for being here. And uh, more importantly, thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, from from your time as a New York City police officer to your time to decide to get into this fight, uh, battling to try and keep the folks in South Carolina straight and on the conservative path, and uh, trying to help uh, protect not just this nation, but all freedom-loving countries through your show, because I know you've got some fans outside of the U.S. too. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you for everything, uh, especially your kindness and generosity uh, in being here and, and helping me out through the years as you have. Well, thank you very much, and God bless you, and God bless your listeners. And may they bring a light of freedom to friends and family. All right. Thank you so very much. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that is Miss Anne Ubellis, host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Uh, well worth your time. If you're not already listening, you're missing out. And if by the time this uh, show's over, you haven't went and checked them out, then just shame on you. All right. Uh, that was the... Uh a very brief and fun conversation that I had with Annie. And uh, I hope you just got enough of a sample that you're going to want to go visit. I will put a link to her show page in the show description if you happen to be listening to the podcast. Uh, otherwise, uh, I just recommend that you go ahead and visit southern-sense.com and uh, you'll be able to find her. That's if you're listening via terrestrial radio. Uh, now, I, I do need to make a correction, though, and I, I just now realized uh, that I misspoke uh, when I was referencing the Battle of Athens. I called it the Battle of Sparta for some reason, so Athens, Sparta. I, I'm confusing my Tennessee cities that are named after uh, Greek cities. Uh, so for those of you that are uh, interested, however, and maybe aren't aware, uh, the Battle of Athens is something that took place in August of 1946 here in Tennessee, uh, happened in Athens and in Etowah, uh, basically under the same folks in the local communities. And uh, they uh, kind of rose up against the local government. Uh, the citizens, uh, mostly led by some World War II veterans, uh, got really upset about how the local police and local politicians were acting. A lot of corruption and some voter intimidation. And uh, they took up arms and put down the lawless law. Uh, something to keep in mind. Not that I'm calling for that, mind you, but just something for uh, those would-be tyrants to keep in mind as they move forward. All right, now that I've made that correction, and I can't believe I uh, didn't correct that sooner. I mean, God, my goodness, why didn't I catch that? Uh, sheesh, this is my home state, too. Anyway, let's take that mid-hour break, and on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about Whoopi Goldberg, and then I'll try to Try to have a, a very fast-moving uh, second hour. So don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Our Constitution is a document in which we the people tell the government what it is allowed to do. We the people are free. Just a song before I go To whom it may concern It's easy to get burned If you do not believe that Democrats like Joe Biden, Governor Wolf of Pennsylvania, Washington, D.C. Mayor Bowser are not literally trying to damage our republic beyond repair, I have a tropical paradise in Cleveland to sell you. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. 
Well, today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. We who love God's gift of liberty recognize the mission of Democrats with their hearts of stone, literally using draconian masks and shot mandates to wipe out the middle-class lifestyle. To date, at least 40% of all family-owned small businesses have been shuttered due to many people going along to get along with mandates that do nothing to get rid of Corona China virus or the variants. For decades, American politicians, mostly Democrats, have been dreaming of the time when brainwashed sovereign Americans would willingly comply with draconian measures which include masking young children all day long in school and denying a previously approved heart transplant patient in Boston after leftist doctors discovered the patient did not receive the jab. The leftists have declared war against we the people. I say we seek providential guidance and overcome their madness. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Come on, man. All men and women created by gold. You know the you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the Internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. What in the hell's diversity? Well, I, I could be wrong. But I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. consider possibly getting a candy bar uh you know i know you're bound to have a sweet tooth i know you you probably you're thinking right now it's it's hard to find a really good candy bar where am i supposed to find a really good candy bar well the answer of course is to get your candy bar from 
Built Bar. Uh, okay, so technically it's a protein bar. And you might be wondering why I keep calling it a candy bar instead of a protein bar. After all, we're all health conscious, right? We're all thinking, oh my gosh, we want the healthiest thing we can get. Show me something that's high in protein and relatively low in carbs and, and will help uh, support not only my sweet tooth, but my efforts at dieting. Okay, well, there is all of that. It's all true. But it just tastes so good. I almost, I almost believe they have to be lying, right? There's no way something that's that good for you could possibly taste that good. We've all had protein bars before, right? I mean, we're lucky if they taste like cardboard. I've had the things that I, I can't even describe exactly what it tasted like. And uh, after about the second or third attempt to choke down another bite, I, I had no choice but to give up. I can't be the only one. So to me, this is a candy bar, and I'm pretty sure that if you give it a try, you'll feel the same way. And, uh, you know, the thing here is whatever kind of flavor profile you're into, pretty sure they have a, <laughs> pretty sure they have a built bar that will match what you're looking to do. So what I'm going to ask you to do is go visit Built Bar. Uh, check out their uh, website, check out everything they have to offer. But I'm going to ask you to go down into the show description, copy the entire link that you're going to see down there for Built Bar, paste that into your web browser, and uh, go visit that way. See, by using that link, it lets them know that I'm the one that sent you. So they'll be monitoring how much traffic is coming from here, from this show, and uh, it'll give them an idea, number one, that... It's worthwhile to be part of the show. And number two, should you make a purchase, then I get a tiny little cut in the action to help support the show. So if you want to support the show, go visit. If you decide you want to make a purchase, even better. You get something you want. It doesn't affect how much you're paying at all. And it does go to help support the show. So, hey, it's win, win, win for everybody. And if you're not listening via podcast, uh, then by all means, please uh, visit my website. That's tap into the truth, T A P P into the truth, all one word, dot com. And you'll see a banner for Built Bar. In fact, you'll probably see more than one if you scroll down far enough. Click the banner, it'll work just the same as having followed that link. Uh, I know it's a lot to ask, but seriously, the Built Bars are worth it. All right, so enough of that. Now, um, what are we talking about now? Let's talk about Whoopi Goldberg. Um, here's, here's the thing about Whoopi Goldberg. Like a lot of comedian actresses, we've seen an evolution in where they are at, right? We've seen them go from being uh, relatively funny individuals to uh, occasionally taking on a more serious role, and then eventually kind of puttering out. I mean, one of my favorite roles for Whoopi uh, actually is uh, as Guinan in Star Trek, which I, I'm under the impression, based on something that I was reading the other day, she's going to be reprising that role in the upcoming season two of Picard, if you happen to be a Trekkie. Uh, so I, there you have that. I, I, I enjoyed her portraying uh, this character. I did used to appreciate uh, some of her comedic efforts early on, and I kind of, 
kind of got a kick out of her role in Ghost. I thought she was kind of funny there, too. Now, I don't think I'm in the minority there, although I may be among the minority that's willing to admit it. Now, I, I haven't seen anything, anything at all, that makes me feel good about Miss Whoopi Goldberg, however, since the end of Star Trek The Next Generation. And, uh, you know, she moved to this strange little television show that tries to present itself as sort of news, but really more like just some clucking hens going on about their silly political ideologies. Uh, 25 years they've managed to get out of this show now. Uh, it's called The View, in case you weren't aware. Now, in a relatively recent episode of The View, Miss Whoopi Goldberg managed to say something that actually got the cancel culture folks sharpening their knives for her. She, uh, taking the standard left, woke, intersectionality, hierarchy belief system, uh, tried to make the statement that the Holocaust, you know, historically that's where the Nazis tried to eliminate all of the Jews, you know, the, that Holocaust, in case you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, she made the statement that that wasn't about race. She, she came out and she said, no, no, no. See, that, that wasn't about race. That was about man's inhumanity towards man, which technically is correct. But she was trying to completely discount the fact that the Nazi philosophy was that they were the Aryan race. That was important to them. They were the Aryans. They were the superior. They were the top of the DNA-diversified cruelty of humanity. And they believed uh, Jews to be a race unto themselves and that they were an inferior race. So saying that it's not about racism, that it's not a race-based issue, uh, shows a historical ignorance and a lack of understanding of what the Nazis truly believe, which is not surprising because most leftists tend to think that American conservatives are more Nazi-like when, in, in fact, a brief cursory, just, just barely uh, digging just a little beneath the surface, reveals that it's actually the political left that falls far more in line with what the Nazi party uh, believed politically. Now, I will I'll just leave that there, and we'll move forward, because this isn't that conversation. She made the statement, and then she went off, and, and she filmed a, a segment with uh, Colbert on his late-night show, where she basically kind of doubled down on the same explanation that she gave. Uh, in her mind, see, as, as a black person, I believe racism only exists when you can see a clear-cut difference. So when it's white people against white people, that's not race. But it kind of is. You see, the whole notion of race is its a flawed concept. I mean, genetically speaking, there are some differences in the various peoples, the different ethnicities that exist on the planet, there are. But generally speaking, we are one 
species. We are one race, the human race. So when you decide to break it down and claim different races, then that splinters off in a lot of different ways. And I, I could sit here and make this argument for you all night long. Uh, I do tend to believe that if you are somebody that gets hung up on that kind of thing, then you don't need any convincing. And if you're somebody like Whoopi, and, and most uh, leftists, at least here in the United States now, uh, you want that argument because it's not about race anymore. It's about class. It's always been about class, but it's easier to convince people when it comes to, as Whoopi put it, race where you can clearly see the difference. As a black person, she says to Stephen Colbert, I, I just believe that race is something you can easily see. You can just look at us and tell that we're not the same. Well, is it, though? Continuing to show that you have no understanding of science or biology, which, hey, we, that's not a mystery. It's not a surprise. We've known this for a while. So she, she doubled down, and she kind of gave a half-hearted quasi-apology and then she doubled down on her statement, and, uh, you know, then they aired it on Colbert later. Now, that's the one thing that most people tend to forget. The These late-night talk shows, they're not being aired live typically. Most of these are recorded in the afternoons. So she had made the statement. She was already getting pushed back from uh, all the online community, and she knew at that point that she had hit one of those little hot-button slippery spots that can trip up just about anybody. But all she did was spout off what the intersectionality coalition believe, and that is that there is a hierarchy. And if you're higher up on that hierarchy, you can't possibly be guilty of racism against someone who's lower on the hierarchy. So the Jewish people are a minority, and they're part of the coalition, or at least they want them to be, but because they are mostly white and tend to be relatively successful in most of their life endeavors, at least the more uh, – what's, what's the good word here? The more adherent to the beliefs that go along with being part of a Jewish tribe, uh, they do tend to be more successful. So it's not possible for an extremely rich black woman, because she's a black woman, Whoopi Goldberg, to be – racist towards someone lower on the hierarchy. And, and and that was the excuse she put out there. Now, things changed quickly because at first it looked like she was going to get a free pass. And then when they realized that this was continuing to snowball, they released a written statement, a, a written statement that is supposed to have been a full apology from Whoopi. And uh, quite honestly, based on the things she was saying earlier, I tend to think was probably prepared for her. I don't think she actually wrote it. Now, if I'm wrong about that, then apologies. But it just it didn't feel authentically whoopy, if you know what I mean. And you know, maybe that was better, too, because I don't think she would have offered up the type of apology we got in the written statement. But the damage was already done, and ABC continued to take more and more heat to the point that they decided to suspend her. So she's suspended for two weeks at this point in time. And that's essentially what brings me to the point that I really want to make. Because I, for the most part, Whoopi Goldberg saying the most ridiculous statement ever is par for the course, right? I mean, it, 
if you look at the totality of things that have been said on The View over the last 25 years, not sure this one really moves the needle that much. She just happened to hit a member of the Intersectionality Coalition. That's it. That, that's really all this came down to. She's not willing to share racial issues with someone who's not black or brown. I mean, uh, Jews are now white adjacent. Just like Asians are now white adjacent. You know, they're, they're just, they're in the coalition, but they're not very important. And, and I think part of that, too, is jealousy that the LGBTQ folks have been placed above the black community in the hierarchy of the intersectionality. They don't belong there. That's not right, is the mindset I'm sure she has. But at any rate, I, I don't care that she said it. I, to, to me, just one more really dumb thing she said. She's not a particularly smart lady. She's demonstrated that in her time there. She's still far from the dumbest person on The View. In fact, most of the time, she comes across as being uh, one of the more sane of the lefties. And, you know, they occasionally rotate someone who's supposed to be conservative, and they typically come across as the actual sane one. But Whoopi is ordinarily, like, second most sane. And since they've kind of drop the pretense of having conservatives on, uh, now she's become the, the most sane. Again, not setting the bar particularly high. But like a lot of conservatives, I tend to believe that the solution to poor speech, to bad speech, is more speech, better speech. At the very least, let her keep talking, let her keep showing you who she is. So you know how much to pay attention to what she has to say and how she thinks about things. That, that's okay with me. But then there is this other issue. And that other issue is that the left have established the rules of engagement here. They've set the standard, although the standard typically is we have standards that we're going to hold conservatives to, but we're not going to hold leftists to. So if, if you're uh, a true blue leftist, uh, we're going to give you a pass. We might let you do something to, to show your contrition, but, but we want to just have you still be part of the club. We might have to walk through some type of virtue-signaled punishment, but that's it. Hence, a two-week suspension, of which, by the way, uh, there are several reports that Whoopi is angry that she's been suspended for two weeks and is threatening to quit. Ooh, what a view... Uh, what a loss to the view. What a loss to America. Terrible, terrible news. But then I would turn around and point to you, the standard was set. ABC is owned by Disney, right? Disney fired Gina Carano over a reasonable statement that she tweeted that at worst, at worst, was a comparing to the Holocaust of what's going on in American politics now. I mean, that's it. Worked. And the way it was phrased, I don't think it was so much a comparison to the Holocaust as it was to the comparison of the political temperature at the time and how people were treating each other. Her statement was completely legitimate. And I have yet to find uh, very many Jewish people that were legitimately bothered by what Gina Carano tweeted. 
didn't bother too many folks. But it bothered a lot of leftists because they don't like being reminded that they're the ones that actually act like Nazis. You know, I said this wasn't that conversation, didn't I? Okay, so I'm going to back it up. So Gina Carano gets fired by Disney, who owns ABC. They set the standard. Before Gina Carano got in trouble, we saw Roseanne Barr get fired because she said something uh, about uh, uh, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and uh, Planet of the Apes having a baby. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, all things considered, not the nicest thing you can say. Anytime you throw in Planet of the Apes, probably not a good thing. But what happened? She's done. She had the number one rated show at the time as they had brought back the Roseanne show. They had brought it back out of its death. And at that moment in time, it was the top rated show on ABC. That brief little window. And they threatened to end it, and then they ended up, uh, after a few weeks, deciding that the show was so popular they didn't want to lose out, so they just wrote Roseanne out. Wrote her out completely. So Roseanne Barr ends up losing her spot on her show, and they just changed the name to The Connors. And evidently, like, the first episode was uh, about as highly rated as the previous Roseanne shows were, and then the ratings kind of disappeared quick. Turns out Roseanne actually does mean something to them. So she gets fired because she said a racially insensitive thing. And I still struggle. I, I heard her excuses at the time, and she even claimed not to have known who the person who actually was running the White House during the Obama administration, Valerie Jarrett, not actually knowing who Valerie Jarrett was. It's like, well, then it's odd that you would make this comment about her specifically if you don't even know who she is. But because she was supporting Trump, she became the enemy. So, boom, you got to go. Because Gina Carano happened to be conservative. Boom, you got to go. Because, again, we talked about uh, Pascal, the guy who plays Mando and uh, the Mandalorian, the same show that Gina Carano was working on. Uh, he made similar statements, but it was directed at conservatives, so that's okay. The left would have no standards if it weren't for double standards. Justice against my enemies. Compassion for my friends. So Whoopi gets a pass? Doesn't seem right. Going to have to uh, close out the first hour here because uh, for terrestrial radio, typically you get one hour, uh, one hour at a time, I should say. So, going to have to say goodbye to those of you in terrestrial. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere just yet. Uh, stay where you're at. We'll start up right after this. But for those of you that I'm saying goodbye to, tune in again tomorrow for hour number two of tonight's broadcast. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile... This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's hey. go. Told that union saved the working class. He 
was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows and he couldn't say when He couldn't say how He couldn't say why She was different in his eyes I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook And you're listening to Tim Tapp And Tap Into the Truth of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And we are just 
having a blast despite it being super soggy because it warmed up a little here, guys. It actually got in the 50s today. Now, the only problem with it being that warm is it was super rainy. So, you know, what are we going to do? And we've got a lot of rain over the next few days. And what gets kind of scary again is uh, we we may or may not be close to a, a line coming up by Friday morning where freezing temperatures will be coming in, which could turn all this rain into, well, ice. So, you know, pray for us Tennesseans who aren't accustomed to dealing with the ice. That's all I'm asking from our friends and neighbors up north who deal with it all the time. All right, so I uh, want to ask you for a small favor besides that prayer I just asked for. No matter where you're from, whatever part of this country or whatever part of any other country you might be from, since you know we do have a, a solid international listening audience, and, and thank all you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Number one, I'd like to remind you to please visit patriotmusic.com. Uh, that, of course, is for my friend Matt Fitzgibbons, uh, the guy who does that intro uh, music and usually most of the outros that we play as well when we're signing off. Uh, he does those things. He's got a lot of other great music. I've played a lot of it over the years. With his permission, I will add to those of you, especially over at YouTube, who uh, constantly hit me with copyright strikes, and now you're... You're getting Matt's music right. For the longest time, they were trying to hit me with copyright strikes uh, over uh, <laughs> music that I wasn't playing. While I was just playing some of Matt's stuff, they just couldn't figure out that uh, they had the wrong thing. And uh, the way the strikes I'm getting hit with over there, by the way, uh, the way they work is uh, this is going to keep you from uh, having your video available in certain uh, other countries. That, is that really a copyright strike? I, uh, I, I've read the policy. I get what you're saying. It just seems like an excuse to not air uh, the show in places where it might rile up the general public. And it's almost always countries like Iran and North Korea and uh, Russia. Yeah, so it's not a surprise. It's kind of weird, though. If anybody else out there is a creator gets those kind of notifications, too... Uh, let me know, because I've not monetized over there. In fact, I sometimes I even forget that this show is re-released and and is uh, what's the word here syndicated onto YouTube. But it's one of the things that the uh, the Spreaker folks do. They they have a connection there, and I I do have the channel set up, and I've dabbled here and there a bit for the few videos, but haven't really done much. But the show goes over there, so then I'll get these emails. And sometimes it'll go weeks and months without getting a single one, even though I'm not changing anything. And I've been getting a lot more of them since I've been doing these uh, clips that uh, Cajun has sent to me. Uh, evidently, some folks get really worked up about uh, using a snippet of their music. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I want to ask you to go visit patriotmusic.com. Uh, it's a great place. Uh, Matt is a great historian, actually, a fantastic historian. That was originally how we ended up talking to each other. But he's an even better musician, and, and he's just got a lot of great stuff. So go visit over there. Let him know that I sent you. Uh, you won't get any discounts or anything, but uh, I do like for him to know that I'm still sending people his way. Uh, check out conservativedailybriefing.com. Uh, if you decide to leave a comment on uh, one of the stories over there let ken know that i sent you that direction to say hey uh, 
Uh, that Tim Tap guy is still talking about uh, the site, and I really like this article here you wrote. And you know, just let them know you're you're coming from here. Uh, go visit southern-sense.com. Uh, that, of course, is uh, the website for uh, Southern Sense Dog Radio, uh, hosted by Miss Ann Ubellis, who was with me back in the first hour of tonight's broadcast. And uh, for the purposes of those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, just so that you will know, this is the second hour of a two-hour broadcast that took place on February 2nd of 2022. At this point in time, uh, a lot of folks are listening to the podcast, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I want to send some of you to listening to the online platforms like The Last Frequency, so you can go to thelastfrequency.com and, and visit over there. Uh, would also like to uh, ask you, if you do listen to the podcast, if you're not already on Spotify, uh, go to Spotify. Uh, start following the Joe Rogan experience, you know, to kind of support Joe, and then while you're there, uh, go ahead and sign up for a lot of conservative podcasts, including this one. Uh, yeah, Spotify is one of the places you can listen to Tap Into the Truth. So by all means, go visit Spotify and sign up and listen there. And even if you still would prefer to listen on another app, just go do it to send a message to Spotify, because right now they're still trying to pile on to Joe Rogan, even after he made his quasi-apology, which I said then it was a mistake, don't do it. And then we talked about how Spotify is uh, kind of uh, was taking a knee, and it's like you give the these left cancel culture morons an inch, they won't take a mile; they'll take it all. Because once you show that first sign of weakness, they'll come to destroy you. All you have to do is weather the storm for a little while, and if they think they're not having an effect on you, they'll give up and they'll go attack someone else. But as soon as you show you're paying attention to their uber-cancellation ideology, they'll just keep coming until they squash you. And uh, Spotify, they're not going to be satisfied even if you ended your relationship with Joe Rogan at this point because then they're going to demand that you also take down uh, all of the folks from The Blaze. And uh, I would imagine you probably have uh, folks from... Uh, from the Daily Wire over there, too, I would imagine. Uh, I know you probably have a lot of independence over there. They will come. They'll make you give up all of those conservative uh, podcasts as well. And eventually, uh, then they'll start taking down the independence. And, uh, yeah, they, they won't be satisfied till you're done. So if you're a listener, let's send a message to Spotify and go over there, sign up, uh, you know, I, I'm not real sure if it's just like a, a like or a follow or whatever it is that you have to do. It's either subscribe or follow. That's where it is in most of them. Uh, but do that. And while you're there, go ahead and uh, do the same thing for Tapping to the Truth. You'll find me over there. All right. Uh, let's let's get into this. I've babbled on long enough. Uh, I do hope you'll show some support uh, to Joe Rogan, though. Uh, Kevin. Uh, now I can't think of his last name. Uh, actor uh, was in King of Queens. What is his name? Was in a lot of other things too. He's absolutely hilarious. I can't think of his last name though. Um, he actually came out and made a statement of support for Joe Rogan. So uh, kudos to him. I hope he doesn't end up being the next guy who gets targeted with these folks. But uh, let's get to the show. Let's get to the show. I uh, came across this story and absolutely uh, knew I wanted to talk about this one. 
Uh, it seems that there are two states now that have ordered the leaders of Black Lives Matter Incorporated. Important distinction. Remember, there is a difference between folks who just got caught up in the idea of Black Lives Matter as opposed to the folks that actually run the organization Black Lives Matter because Black Lives Matter Incorporated is little more than a terrorist group, and they're definitely a Marxist leftist organization that wants to destroy the family unit. That, to me, doesn't sound like somebody that really thinks that black lives matter very much because not only do black people do better when they're part of a strong family unit, everybody does better when they're part of a strong, supportive family unit. But, you know, I digress. Uh, these two different states, they, they're really putting the smack down on Black Lives Matter uh, to cease fundraising operations uh, because there's some question about how the donations are being used. Now, hold on to your socks, boys and girls, when you hear which two states are taking the step. I would imagine there will be several other states that join them shortly, but the two leading the way, California and Washington. Now, both of these, as you probably know as a regular listener to the show, are heavily Democratic. Both these states sent letters to Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation Incorporated, sent this letter last month, threatening the group with legal action over potential violations of financial reporting laws. This was, of course, according to the Washington Examiner. The BLM Global Network Foundation is the legal entity of the National Black Lives Matter movement and has received tens of millions of dollars in donations in recent years. The foundation took in over $90 million in 2020 alone. Uh, the year protests and riots erupted over George Floyd. You, you remember that. Now, the organization has faced quite a bit of backlash from local leaders who claim that the, uh, that the umbrella group, the incorporated part of the organization, uh, they've been tight-fisting and secretive about the mounds of cash that is raised uh, for the activism, right? So the California Department of Justice sent a letter to BLM uh, back on January 31st threatening to hold the organization's leadership liable if $60 million worth of donations received is not correctly reported within the next 60 days. The organization, Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation Incorporated, is delinquent with the Registry of Charitable Trusts for failing to submit required annual reports. Uh, yeah, quoting from the letter, at least quoting from the letter according to the examiner. <laughs> Now, weeks earlier, back in January 5th, the Washington Secretary of State uh, Corporations and Charities Division also sent a letter to BLM's national group warning that it could face a $2,000 fine for each in-state donation it receives before providing the state with detailed records on the group's finances. Quoting again now, Please note that a violation of the act is also a violation of the Consumer Protection Act and could result in the imposition of injunctions and civil penalties up to $2,000 per violation. 
any organization that solicits and or collects contributions in violation of the act and CPA will be reported to the Office of the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division for further action. Okay, so both states now have officially banned the group from soliciting and receiving donations from residents within those states until records are received. According to the examiner, the BLM group is also out of compliance with charity codes in Connecticut, Maine, Maryland, New Jersey, North Carolina, and Virginia. The BLM National Group has reportedly been without permanent leadership for months. The group co-founder, uh, Patrice Cullors, resigned from the national organization back in May uh, when she started getting some pushback from the $3.2 million spending spree uh, that she went on in buying up real estate. Cullors, of course, said that um, activists uh, would serve as the organization's senior directors after her departure, but the two activists that she named uh, revealed in September that they never took the post over disagreements with BLM. This is also according to the examiner. Now, the curious situations raised a host of red flags among ethics experts. Surprise, surprise. I seem to recall us having some pretty in-depth conversations about what these people were doing with all that money even before we found out about uh, Miss Cullors and her real estate spending spree. But uh, with all of this in play now, the national group uh, is reportedly setting on somewhere around $60 million that's completely unaccounted for and certainly hasn't been reported. BLM Global Network Foundation has long faced harsh criticism from grassroots activists and grassroots groups in the BLM movement. Local activists have alleged that the national group has not doled out its sizable treasury to the grassroots groups. In other words, they're collecting all of this in the name of the local folks, but they just keep it. What are they doing with it? Well, they're bribing politicians and sending it to other countries. That's what they're doing with it. Not to mention some of them appear, can't say for certain, but uh, Patricia Coolers, I'm looking at you, some of them appear to be lining their own pockets with this money. Uh, making another quote here. Since the establishment of BLMGN, our chapters have consistently raised concerns about financial transparency, decision-making, and accountability. Now, this is from a coalition of BLM grassroots groups. They said this in a joint statement back in November of 2020. Yet, you probably haven't heard about that. Back to quoting. Despite years of effort, no acceptable internal process of accountability has ever been produced by BLMGN. And these recent events have undermined the efforts of chapters seeking to democratize, democratize its processes and resources. Democratize. That's what they really mean. That's why I say it that way. But even when they say democratize, you know what they mean. They, they want more of a voice. 
They want to know how they get to uh, get a little more control in that spending. Well, here's part of how you get a little more control in that spending. You stop giving all your money to the federal national group. How about you stop letting this national group call the shots in the first place? Why don't you, in fact, change the name of your organization? Because here's the deal. If you really do care about black lives in this country, you know what's a good first step? Don't be mad when somebody says, but all lives matter. Because you should believe that all lives do matter. Now, I'm not going to fault you if you're one of these self-serving individuals that believes that your life matters more than everyone else's. Because strangely enough, that's the way most people feel about their lives. Do not be surprised if I think my life is more valuable than any other life out there. Except, of course, for the lives of my children. And now grandchildren. Strangely enough, my spouse and my children, uh, I'm going to care a little bit more about them. Who knew? Family's a thing. Despite the best efforts of leftist Marxist organizations like BLM Incorporated. See, that's the first problem. If you have to incorporate, you've already got a problem. If you have to deflect and try to change the topic when somebody asks you, well, if you really believe that black lives matter, why aren't you working to try and help stop the black-on-black violence in urban uh, settings like Chicago, for example? When that question's raised and you have to deflect, that's not what this movement's about. But you say, and we know, we know, we know, it's a trick. They chose Black Lives Matter as the name of their organization because they were engaging in syntax overload. It's a little literary trick that activists have been doing for a while. The point of the matter is you pick a name that makes it sound like you're fighting for something that you would have to be a horrible person to disagree with. If I get behind this microphone and I say Black Lives Matter Incorporated is a domestic terrorist group, I sound like I'm the unreasonable, horrible, terrible person, even though what I just said is completely accurate description. I did not say that everybody engaged in the Black Lives Matter movement is a domestic terrorist. Because most of them aren't. Most of them were actually mistakenly believing that Black Lives Matter incorporated this national group that we were just talking about. They honestly believed that they meant it when they said that they were standing up to try and fight racism in America. See, they're victims of public education for the most part. So they still believe that things like the 1619 Project is legitimate history instead of just made-up fallacy. They legitimately believe that America is fundamentally flawed and will forever be fundamentally flawed because it's built on that original sin of slavery. They completely ignore every step along the way, the shared history that we do have together as we improved, as we got better, as we continue to strive to live up to the promises that were made in the founding documents. Some people want to believe that because 
it's a lot easier to believe that's the case that they're that they're oppressed by by all those mean hateful bigoted white oppressors that's why they they can't get ahead it's all them white people over there and of course those uh white adjacent uh people like uh the uh american jews and and uh, Asians, you know, the, the white adjacent folks and the, the white folks, they're, they're holding on up. It's much easier to believe. Some people want to believe that. And that's also why you get the knee-jerk reaction that if you hold up somebody like, I don't say, uh, a Dr. Ben Carson, for example, oh, well, he's just an Uncle Tom. Of course, you know, that's the nicer folks. They don't use that term anymore. They, they call them far worse than that, generally. The people that are doing that, they've been victims themselves to a degree. I I have just a, a slight tinge of sympathy for them because that victimization is legitimate. It's real. I mean, that's one of the things that we're constantly trying to push back and fight against uh, here in this program and several others like Annie's show and Don's show, uh, you know, Don Smith and, and uh, Ron Edwards, of course, Rod Eccles, uh, just, just to name a few. We're constantly trying to push back against the notion that there are people that are just victims because of their skin tone and then others that are just victimizers because of their skin tone. Uh, it's utterly ridiculous. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some white folks that are oppressors. doesn't mean that there aren't some black folks that are oppressors. There are. I, I mean, can you imagine working for Oprah Winfrey? you're not one of her favorites, I don't think it's a fun place to be. But that's neither here nor there. The point of the matter is when the state of California and the state of Washington get together and they're saying, uh, you're not going to be allowed to do this anymore, then you know that there's a legitimate problem. It's not just me. It's not just some other conservative guy on the radio or over on uh, one American News or over on Fox uh, for the opinion shows. It's not just one of us crackpots that gets behind a microphone or behind a video camera. These are the lefties. These are the uber lefties that would ordinarily be scared to death of being accused of not supporting BLM. Except there is one thing that motivates those leftists even more than virtue signaling, and that is the amount of cash in their bank account. So uh, there you have that. Uh, let's go ahead and take that mid-hour break, and then I'm going to see if I can't sneak. Uh, i got two stories I want to get to. We'll see if we can get them both together. Uh, stay right where you're at. I'll be right back. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap Into The Truth. When it comes to American history, it must be taught to students in a truthful manner. It should also be about the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Hello, I'm 
Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Republicans are constantly portrayed as racists. President Trump was labeled racist for simply wanting to protect our borders. But consider the fact that it was the Democrats who murdered President Lincoln for freeing slaves. It was a Democrat who murdered President Kennedy. A Democrat murdered Martin Luther King Jr. Militant Democrats known as the KKK lynched many black Americans. Democrats enforced segregation unless they were raping black females. Mm. Democrats created the Jim Crow and poll taxes. Democrats created internment camps. Democrats created the Confederacy and destroyed good government schools catering to black Americans. And yet, conservative Christians and Republicans are called the racist. Hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. For Constitutional Grounds Coffee, simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. No man has a right to raise a hand to a woman. And so we have to just change the culture and keep punching at it and punching at it and punching at it. I'm cuckoo, I'm cuckoo. (laughs) Just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. I promise you, the president has a big step. I mean, he has made clear that, uh, 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 my name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. I keep forgetting I'm president. still going to have a little more winter the thing to remember is spring is still just around the corner uh, no matter what part of the country you're in the weather is going to be warming up well before you know it and coming up real soon i have it on very good authority that blue coolers are going to be introducing a new line of coolers that is definitely prepared to turn the cooler industry upside down 
So uh, start visiting now and uh, pay close attention. You might want to go ahead and get one uh, soon, or you may want to wait. But go check out what they've got going on right now. Uh, so what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're listening to the podcast, and I hope you're listening to the podcast down Spotify, sending a strong message there that would help support Joe Rogan by virtue of letting them know that you believe Joe Rogan should have freedom of speech and you believe that conservative podcasts need to be protected on the platform as well by going there and listening and signing up and following and or subscribing or whichever it is over on Spotify uh, to every conservative podcast you can find, including this one. And, uh, you know, then listen to it while you're at it. Now, if you're listening via podcast, down in the show description, you will see a link. It doesn't just say bluecoolers.com. It's a full link that uh, I need you to copy then paste that link into your web browser and go visit Blue Coolers using that. That way they know I sent you, okay? And if you're not listening to a podcast, if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, then uh, a little bit later when you get an opportunity, or if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio but you're at home working, you just have it playing in the background or something, you got your computer right now, then go visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, Dot com and scroll down that home page and you'll find some banners. Uh, click on that banner. It'll work just the same. It lets them know that I sent you and uh, you'll get some really good discounts over there too if you go ahead and place an order. So if you're looking for a cooler that is the quality of that uh, uh, Himalayan Sasquatch level cooler over there, you know the one I'm talking about? Just as good, that level of quality, but at about half the cost? Well, you can't go wrong there, can you? Uh, check out Blue Coolers, uh, follow the link, go there, and uh, you know what? By letting them know that you followed it from this show, um, you make a purchase, you'll help support the show too. You get something you need, or at the very least something you want, and you help support this show. All right, let's get uh, to the action. I'm already, I'm, if I'm not careful, I'm going to babble my way out of the time that I tried to save by cutting the break a little short. Uh, first and foremost, the U.S. Army now is beginning to discharge soldiers for the horrible, terrible, no-good crime of refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. So on Wednesday, that would be Wednesday, February the 2nd, 2022, today, time of the live broadcast, on Wednesday, the United States Army announced that it will immediately begin to discharge soldiers who refuse to be vaccinated for COVID-19. Uh, quoting here from a statement, uh, the United States Army announced today that it will immediately begin separating soldiers from the service who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Army readiness depends on soldiers who are prepared to train, deploy, fight, and win our nation's wars. This from Secretary of the Army, Christy uh, Wormuth. Uh, Christy continued saying, Unvaccinated soldiers present risk to the force and jeopardizes readiness. We will begin involuntary separation proceedings for soldiers who refuse the vaccine order and are not pending a final decision on an exemption. Translation, if you've asked for an exemption and it hasn't been granted, but they haven't made a decision yet, 
then uh, you're not on the immediate list. But uh, hold on to your socks because you might be. <sighs> Unvaccinated soldiers who have requested medical exemptions or religious accommodations are temporarily exempt from the COVID-19 vaccination requirement while their requests are under review. Soldiers who have had their medical or religious exemption requests denied will have seven calendar days from the denial to either A, begin a COVID-19 vaccination regimen, or B, submit an appeal to the final appeal authority. If a final appeal is denied, the soldier will have seven calendar days from notice of denial to begin the COVID-19 vaccination regimen. The Army has not yet involuntarily separated any soldiers solely for refusing the lawful order to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. As of January 26th, Army commanders have relieved a total of six regular Army leaders, including two battalion commanders, and issued 3,073 general officer written reprimands to soldiers for refusing the vaccination order. Now, based on the uh, U.S. Army data that was released on January 27th, 96% of active members are fully vaccinated, while 79% of reserve members are fully vaccinated. These numbers are 97% and 83% respectively for those partially vaccinated. 709 permanent medical exemptions have been requested with, so far, only six approved. Six out of 709. That leaves 656 disapproved. 2,910 permanent religious exemptions have been requested with zero approvals, 266 disapprovals so far, and 5,870 temporary exemptions have been granted, which includes requests for permanent exemptions. Now, based on this data, there are 3,350 soldiers who have refused to get the vaccine. The Pentagon announced this mandatory COVID-19 vaccination back in August of 2021. The Defense Secretary, Lloyd Austin, at that point said in a memo, to defend this nation, we need a healthy and ready force. I strongly encourage all DOD military and civilian personnel, as well as contractor personnel, to get vaccinated now, and for military service members to not wait for the mandate. Being vaccinated will enable our service members to stay healthy to better protect their families, and to ensure that our force is ready to operate anywhere in the world. That was from barely there Beijing Biden uh, when he's had to respond to a question. Now, uh, one week ago, U.S. Navy announced that it had discharged its first 45 members who have refused to take the Armed Forces COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Vice Admiral Bill Mertz, Deputy Chief of Naval Operations for Operations, Plans, and Strategy, said in a press release, quote, 
It is my responsibility to deliver the most capable force. And this guidance helps us maximize mission readiness. Now, here's the thing. You can say what you like about whether or not you believe that uh, this is a legal order. The military generally has a different set of rules. The federal government does have the right to make mandates for the military uh, where it doesn't necessarily have that same power and authority for the general public. But for all intents and purposes, I'm still inclined to think that given where we're at in this stage of development in the so-called vaccines, and I say so-called because they literally had to change the definition of the word vaccine to make these be vaccines. Given where they're at with them, I still tend to think as far as the standard developmental path, these are still experimental. And it is illegal to require anyone to take an experimental medical treatment. Now, it's one thing to volunteer to take an experimental medical treatment. It used to be where you would have to literally petition the government to be allowed to try an experimental medical treatment. But at the end of the day, there will be lawsuits, and while right now the COVID-19 vaccines will win out, that may not necessarily be the case three, five, ten years down the road. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, in Washington State, they're suing a COVID-19 testing center after an FBI raid. Washington State Attorney General Bob Ferguson filed a lawsuit against the Illinois-based Center for COVID Control. That's a great name, isn't it? Uh, joining other states as well as the federal government who are looking into the center for allegedly providing fake tests and other committing frauds. Okay, so CBS News reported that Ferguson's lawsuit alleges that the center, which runs more than 300 COVID testing sites across the country, quote, failed to deliver prompt, valid, and accurate results to customers and for allegedly telling employees to lie to patients on a daily basis. Now, as you well know, dear listener, only the federal government and the mainstream legacy media are allowed to lie to customers on a regular basis at least on a daily basis. Otherwise, it's criminal. Quoting here from Ferguson in a press release, Center for COVID Control contributed to the spread of COVID-19 when it provided false negative results. These sham testing centers threatened the health and safety of our communities. They must be held accountable. Now, the press release also noted that the center operated at least 13 testing sites in the state of Washington, but did not have a license to operate in any municipalities in the state of Washington, except for uh, Yakima? Yakima? Yakima, Washington? Yeah, I guess that's it. Anyway, at the time, they conducted these COVID-19 tests. So, the unlicensed testing sites closed on January 13th. 
The center advertised that they could provide test results within 15 minutes for a rapid uh, antigen test and within 48 hours for the PCR test. But Ferguson alleged that the company knew it couldn't meet those times. His press release also said that former employees reported the center received between 8,000 to 10,000 tests a day and couldn't keep up, but refused to hire more staff. Uh, Quoting here, employees began storing tests in garbage bags and piling them up in various corners of the office with no semblance of organization. Some former employees reported regularly finding tests sitting in trash bags that were over a week old, never refrigerated properly, and never tested by the company's lab. Testing samples can only keep for so long. A lab manager for the company reported that beyond three days, a sample's invalid. The company's director of operations instructed employees to start falsely post-dating samples to make them appear more recent than they actually were and submit them for testing anyway so the company could potentially still bill insurance companies or the federal government for the test. Now, the Washington state lawsuit also follows lawsuits from other states and an investigation by the federal government into the Center for COVID Control. Uh, It's been uh, previously reported on various conservative sites, including the Daily Wire, that the FBI searched the center's Illinois headquarters. The center had received more than $124 million from the federal government in reimbursements. Just days before the FBI raid, the Center for COVID Control and its lab had a consumer protection complaint filed against them by the Minnesota Attorney General's office, which accused the testing sites of deceptive and fraudulent practices. Hmm. My, my, my. Imagine anybody associated with COVID-19 treatments being accused of deceptive and fraudulent practices. I'm pretty sure that's dangerously close to misinformation. (laughs) USA Today reported that Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison's office accused the center of providing, quote, inaccurate and deceptive test result information. Uh, Forgive me for trying to fight off a cough in the middle of the sentence. Uh, and for inaccurate and deceptive test results, information to Minnesota customers, and to have fraudulently reported negative test results to consumers that never completed COVID-19 tests. The complaint also alleges that the center's main lab told employees to begin falsely post-dating samples in order to make them appear to be more recent than they actually were. So it seems like this practice was ongoing all the way across the board. At one point in time, the center claimed that it had more than 300 testing locations throughout 26 states and that they were collecting more than 80,000 tests a day. USA Today began investigating the company back in early January after a reporter encountered a pop-up testing site operating out of a generator-powered shack in Chicago. Since then, dozens of people across at least 18 states have reached out to USA Today expressing concerns about the testing sites and multiple agencies have launched investigations. So, 
what's the point? Well, the point here is these folks are starting to realize they've been bamboozled. But even the tests that were being done completely 100% above board, there was still a high percentage of false results. There was a high percentage of false positives. There was a high percentage of false negatives, especially in the earliest tests. Of course, the early tests would hit if you had any form of COVID. And I'll remind you that uh, the common cold is part of the COVID family. So you have an actual cold. You're told you have COVID. Then your symptoms never get any worse than having a cold. So then you go around telling people, hey, I... It's just like having a cold because that's all you had. The test was wrong. And now by me saying this, I'm going to be accused of misinformation. When the point of fact is, is that's completely true. Truth does not enter into the equation of misinformation when you're dealing with the left. You just say something they don't like and bam, there you go. But again, I'll point out that this is Washington State. They realized that these folks were found a way to make money off of. They also realized that thanks to the panic porn that was pushed through our mainstream legacy media, you had enough people scared to death that they showed up at these test sites to try and find out if, oh my gosh, if the sniffle I just felt is actually something way more serious. And they wanted to go to these testing locations and bam. The incentive, the perverse incentive to, to make bank off of these people's fear was enough to bring out the con men. What I want to know now is how many hospitals have administrators that intentionally inflated COVID numbers, or at least for reporting purposes. How many of those folks who did that so that they could get their extra reimbursement from the government, are they going to be investigated? Are they going to face consequences? Are you going to hold them accountable? This guy came in. He died. He was in a motorcycle accident. What killed him? Well, it was a motorcycle accident. Oh, bam, just popped. He he tested. He had COVID when he died. Oh, well, COVID killed him. We'll count it. Why? Because there was a perverse financial incentive to report that as a COVID death. Same principle at play here. So if these, we'll call them entrepreneurs... If if these con artists found a way to make a quick buck and they were charging insurance companies in the federal government's reimbursement program, uh, that's U.S. American taxpayer dollars, by the way, so I'm not dismissing that. That's our money, guys. Uh, I would like to get it back. I would like to see these people held accountable, but the point is they committed the exact same crime that a lot of other folks were committing, that I have yet to hear the first peep that there may be some level of accountability for that. But then they're just now starting to actually admit that there's a difference between being in the hospital with COVID as opposed to being in the hospital because of COVID. So we still have a little ways down the road to get before they're going to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, uh, this financial incentive might have led to 
incorrect data, falsehoods, lies, not misinformation, just flat out lies. Because after all, their definition of misinformation is just information they don't like. I don't know, they're not going to tell you that's the definition, but we pretty much we can tell that that's, that's how they treat it. Very interesting. Hey, look at that. I got both stories in. And I've still got a little time left. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. All right. So let's, let's take a, a moment to ponder. What is going to be the next big thing? We've got, we've got Joe Biden out here giving word salad responses to questions about who he's going to appoint to the Supreme Court. And he makes the statement that uh, the Constitution is always evolving. I'd like to take a moment to address that idea, that thought, that philosophy. Now, what he was trying to reference, for those of you who maybe didn't quite catch it, is he was trying to, to reference the idea that the Constitution is a living, breathing document, that is changing within the times that what it means now isn't what it meant 30 years ago, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. It means something different now because, because what we need is something different. The, the founding fathers, the framers of the Constitution, now yeah, they might have been reasonably intelligent for their time, but they couldn't have known what life was going to be like now. They couldn't possibly have set down a series of principles and, and established them, fully understanding that, that it might become necessary for the government to do more than what it's allowed to do under the Constitution? No, that's, it's not possible. They, they couldn't have known that. And hence the left believes, or more importantly want you to believe, that uh, the government can just establish new powers based on the need and that the Constitution isn't actually an impediment. It's just uh, a case where it needs to be allowed to, to live and breathe so that they can get what they want. The Constitution should never stand in the way of what a leftist wants. That's what they believe. But then he followed up his statement about the Constitution's evolving. Then he said, uh, involving the establishment uh, or the restriction of rights. It's like, no, no, that is, uh, that is completely, totally false, completely incorrect. And there is no constitutional scholar that will try to tell you, <coughs> excuse me, that the Constitution has anything to do with the establishment of rights. It is strictly a document that restricts the power of the federal government, period, in the discussion. The very fact that we have a Bill of Rights at the end, the first ten amendments, the Bill of Rights, that is there just to specifically highlight certain rights that are so important that they should never be abridged, should never be forgotten, and should never be permitted to be twisted into saying something other than how it was written right there. That's why every effort to reinterpret it, the Constitution or the Bill of Rights, is completely and totally flawed and fraudulent. And the actual scholars of the group know this. They're banking that 
you won't know this. They're trusting that you are going to be as ignorant as they believe we all are. That's why they're not prepared for the discussion when somebody points out how flawed it is. And while I've heard a few folks comment on Biden's statement, I have yet to hear anybody put up a actual honest-to-goodness argument based on the fact that, uh, that it's completely legally wrong. I heard a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, if you're a, an originalist, then you wouldn't believe this. You don't have to be an originalist to understand that the Constitution doesn't establish your rights. Now, whether or not you believe in a higher power, whether or not you believe in a deity, here it's a simple thing. Natural law demands natural rights. Most of us, especially those of us who are people of faith, believe that natural law is an extension of God's law. We believe that it is God who has bestowed these rights upon us, and our government has been built to protect those rights. That's it. They don't grant them to us. The Constitution doesn't grant them to us. The Constitution specifically lists things that the federal government is not allowed to do by actually saying exactly what it can do. Anything that is not in the Constitution, uh, forget about any of the amendments, anything that's not in the main body of the Constitution, the federal government's simply not allowed to do, period, end of discussion. Nothing to do with your rights. The only reason that there is a Bill of Rights was because it was determined to be so important that the federal government should never have an ounce of breathing room. An ounce of room? An inch of breathing room. Anyway, with that having been said, remember, the, uh, the, the constantly evolving Constitution is just another malady of the riddled brain of Brandon. Remember, don't take my word for it. Don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Stay safe out there if you can. Stay healthy, if at all possible. And, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. And one more time, hey, Joe. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they say,
is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Amin, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. Using both hands.